0: Welcome to this week's Reorg Europe. My name is Luca Rossi. I'm a senior reporter in Reorg's London office. On this week's podcast, we will feature contributions from my London colleagues: analyst Cedric Casson, reporter Jayshree Kalia, and legal analyst Chetna Mistry and Shan Qureshi. In episode 6 of our European podcast, we will be taking a look at the UK government proposals for a new restructuring tool in the UK. The government published a response paper over the August bank holiday weekend outlining both the brand new restructuring plan tool and a new moratorium process. The tools could significantly change the UK restructuring regime. We will be also taking a look at Casino and Rally, which is a large international grocery group that is suffering liquidity issues. Listeners this week should also look out for the UK Court of Appeals decision on the dispute between Ukraine and Venture Trust, which is due on Friday, September 14. Ukraine has issued a 3 billion USD bond which has been bought by Russia. Following the invasion of Ukraine by Russia in early 2017, Ukraine has attempted to have the bonds declared void by the English High Court on numerous grounds. Ukraine was, however, unsuccessful in this argument before the English court last year and therefore has appealed to the Court of Appeal. Finally, there has been a flurry of issuances on the primary market this week, with GameNet, Axonobel and EI all going to market. This is on top of the largest LBO deal this year, Refinitiv, which released terms on its 13 billion USD debt package last week. Now, over to Shri and Cedric, who will be discussing the recent dynamics behind Casino and Rally Group's debt and equity movements. Our senior analyst in New York, Kyle Ovusu, also contributed to this segment. So Shri, what does uh, Rally do?
1: Rally is a holding company. It's invested in Casino, one of the largest grocers in France, and Grupo Exito, one of the largest grocers in South America with a significant presence in Brazil through its investment in GPA.
0: And how much tradable debt does it have and where is it trading at the moment?
1: Well, investors have been worried about Rally's liquidity as its performance has come under pressure in previous quarters. Revenue was down 3% and EBDA was dropped 3.5% during the first six months of this year. The market has been very reactive and practically any news or even no news and simply just fear will move the bonds, widen the CDS and weigh on the stock price. A couple of weeks ago, for example, rumors that the desk of an investment bank was going to circulate a negative view on the credit put pressure on its debt and no such note materialized. It was only a rumor. The company has a complex structure because all of its various holdings and intercompany transactions, and many investors question the company's reporting quality, and this makes people nervous. There is a little over 5.5 billion of casino bonds and around 2 billion of rally notes. Casino bonds have gotten knocked around a bit and are quoted in the mid 90s down to the high 80s. Rally bonds, on the other hand, have gotten hammered. The 19s have dropped to the high 70s, while the 21s are at 50, and the 22s are in the mid to high 40s. The bonds due in October this year are quoted around 95, and there is a bond that is putable this year that is quoted around par. Now, Either this quote isn't real, or there is an odd trading dynamic.
0: Thanks, Jayshree. Uh, Cedric, can you walk me through the capital structure of the company?
2: Hi, Luca. Thank you. Sure. Uh, but let me warn you. There, are, there is a lot of debt under the different companies. Rally has around 13 billion of total debt, or a little under 14 and a half billion if you count casinos' subordinated perpetual notes. The debt comprises 1.7 billion at GPA, 1.3 billion at Exito, 6.6 billion at the French companies, 320 million at the e commerce, and 3.2 billion at Rally itself. The cash can be broken down as follows roughly 700 million at GPA and 500 million at Exito. That's together 1.2 billion of cash for the Latin businesses. Then you've got 2.1 billion at the French companies and 50 million at e-commerce. Finally, Rally itself has 220 million of cash. Leverage wise, standalone leverage at the LATAM business is around four times. And at Casino, it's roughly nine times. Cool. And what about the corporate structure? So it's a chain of entities, really each of which is owned by the one above it. Eris owns Finatis, Finatis owns Foncia Eris, Foncia Euris owns Rally, Rally owns GoSport and Casino, Casino Group owns the French grocery businesses and has a 55% stake in the Latam Grocer Group of Exito and a 40% stake in the French Property Manager Merci, Alice.
0: Okay, so Grupo Exito is basically the link to the LATAM business, got it. So how does the value flow from LATAM all the way up to Raleigh?
2: So the value flows to Wilkes Participa Soes, which own 35% of total GPA common and preferred shares. Wilkes is owned by three US NLCs which are owned by Cegisor SAS, which is a French company. Casino and Grupo Exito each own 50% of Cegisor. Grupo Exito own its stake through a Spanish investment company called Homepair Investments.
0: So rally creditors get Latin value through Casino, but Casino has a lot of debt. So are rally creditors behind all that?
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly correct.
0: And what does liquidity look like at Casino and Rally?
2: So at Casino first, there is around 2.5 billion of debt during the next three years. Sources of cash to meet those maturities include 3.3 billion of credit lines, 2.1 billion of cash and around 600 million of free cash flow on your annual basis. That doesn't include the LATAM cash and that assumes that LTM performance will repeat itself.
0: Uh, It doesn't sound so bad, am I
2: right? At Casino, yes. At Rally, there is around 1.5 billion of debt due. Sources of cash include 1.7 billion of credit lines, 220 million of cash, or around 430 million of cash if you include proceeds from an announced asset sale.
0: Okay, I see. So that's, that's a little worse. But uh, 1.7 billion euros of credit lines, that's, that's a lot of liquidity.
1: Well, the catch is that around 1.4 billion of those lines are subject to casino share pledges when drawn. The required amount is 130% of the notional draw. Depending on what price you use for casino stock, Rally doesn't own enough shares to pledge. It's just not feasible. And by the way, liquidity at Foncia Eros is driven by Raleigh's share price. The same way Raleigh's liquidity is driven by casinos share price. As of fiscal year-end 2017, 20.5 million Raleigh shares were pledged to secure Foncier Eres loans. The value of that collateral has declined by about 130 million euros year-to-date. And the price used for Casino does matter. Some banks may update the share price weekly, others quarterly. I think a quarterly update would be more favorable to Casino.
0: So talking about the company's issues with uh, reporting and their transparency, is there an issue with the reverse factoring? First of all, uh, what is reverse factoring and why does Rally do it?
1: Well, any business has goods ordered from suppliers and money received from customers. So when you order goods from suppliers, Sometimes you have to pay up front, other times you can get the goods on credit and pay later. The same is true for customers. Sometimes customers will pay up front, other times they will pay on credit. With reverse factoring, instead of the business paying the suppliers, a bank or third party will step in and say, I'll pay the supplier on behalf of the buyer. So let's say a company on average orders goods from a supplier and takes 90 days to pay. The third party will pay the supplier in 30 days and the third company will pay the third party. So let's say a company on average orders goods from a supplier and takes 90 days to pay. The third party will pay the supplier in 30 days and the company will pay the third party.
2: At the end of 2017, 3.3 billion of the payables, or just under half of the company overall trade payables, had been reverse factored. Casino saying that vi- variation in reverse factoring doesn't impact its working capital because Casino pays the bank exactly at the same time it would have paid the supplier. In the absence of a reverse factoring program, the company say that its reverse factoring program is a service that it provides to the suppliers to allow them to be paid back before u- the usual terms of the invoice.
0: So, uh, Jeshri, at this point, what's the company's plan?
1: Well, it's asset sales. Around one and a half billion euros of non core assets. Notably, real estate assets, the company has said in its September presentation. Half to be completed this year and the other half next year. Around 28% of the planned 2018 sales are already done. But this week, a U.S. asset management and research firm circulated a note saying that Casino needs to sell assets well above the current implied value in the SOTP or restructure the hold codes to resolve its problems. Now other options could include merging rally with casino or restructuring rally altogether. Either of these could negatively impact casinos share price while selling retailers such as Cnova or Monoprix at high valuations, sell leasebacks or restructuring LATAM could increase the stock price
0: is there any obvious trigger
1: there aren't any definitive upcoming ones that i can think of but the market is still nervous and bankers are scrambling for information asking hedge funds about different potential triggers banks could make it hard for rally to draw on its credit lines if casino stock keeps tanking our understanding is that bankers and advisors in france are aware of the debt, equity and CDS trading and remain relatively calm, but they are getting increasingly interested, though their view is that the situation wouldn't have a trigger this year, maybe only from next year. Valley's owner, French businessman Jean-Charles Nori has a great deal of support in both finance and political circles.
0: Now over to Shan and Chetna. So let's discuss the new restructuring proposals from the UK government. Uh, So what's the headline story, Chetna?
3: So basically, the UK government has proposed changes to its domestic restructuring regime um, and the reform being contemplated would introduce two new restructuring tools, a restructuring plan and a moratorium according to a government response paper on insolvency and corporate governance, which was released on August the 26th.
0: Is there a timeline for the implementation of this new proposal?
3: So the measures um, are likely, obviously, to be implemented under new legislation as soon as parliamentary time permits, but the paper doesn't give a specific date for implementation. Once there is legislation in place, the updates are widely expected to have a significant effect on restructurings within the UK. Uh,
0: So, Shan, what the new plan will look like?
4: The new restructuring plan broadly resembles the existing English scheme of arrangement, with a plan voted on by creditor and shareholder classes needing to achieve a 75% voting threshold in favour, as well as featuring convening and sanction hearings before the English courts.
0: So what new features does the new plan introduce to the UK regime?
3: So basically, the restructuring plan procedure introduces cross-class ca- cramdown, a connected party test which basically requires more than 50% of unconnected creditors in each class voting in favour and removes the numerosity test requirement which we currently have in the English scheme of arrangement. The proposed regime hasn't gone as far as to introduce Chapter 11-style super-priority rescue financing. um, And it is unclear how the new tools, as I've mentioned, will be enacted at this point. But we think that they will be in the form of an update or a supplement to the existing Insolvency Act. In relation to the second tool, the moratorium... The procedure eligibility requirements include a company having a real prospect of rescue whilst being in financial distress. The moratorium also creates a new monitor role who, as opposed to the company's directors, will make the court application for the moratorium, which will initially last 28 days. The period can be extended up to 56 days with any additional extension needing consent from both the majority unsecured and unsecured creditors.
0: Right, interesting. In terms of the exit strategies from the moratorium, what can practitioners expect?
4: It is our understanding that a typical outcome from using such a moratorium will be the company agreeing an informal restructuring with creditors entering into an insolvency process or rescue procedure such as a CVA or liquidation proceedings. From the outset, the restructuring plan in particular is expected to be useful domestically. However, practitioners will be wary of its international use, particularly where debtors are not located in the UK or where foreign law debt is being compromised.
0: Cool, let's look at the restructuring plan aspect more in detail. Chetna, can you run us through the key points of uh, this new plan?
3: Sure, so as we've already mentioned, the plan will be broadly modelled on the UK's existing English scheme of arrangement with some important changes. Firstly, the voting threshold under the plan will be 75% by value in each class to vote in favour. However, there won't be any numerosity test. Instead, a new connected party test will be introduced, being more than half of the total value of unconnected creditors in each class to vote in favour. This test is similar to the existing test for CVAs, which is taken from section 249 of the Insolvency Act. Again, as we've mentioned, the plan will also allow for cross-class cram down of dissenting creditors so that if one creditor class votes in favour of the plan and the absolute priority rule is followed, the plan can be sanctioned. The court will also be able to sanction the plan if doing so is necessary to achieve the aims of the restructuring and it would be just and equitable to do so in all the circumstances to the extent that the absolute priority rule is not met. This is a slight variation to the rule um, vis-a-vis US Chapter 11 proceedings. A next best alternative for creditors test will be used in order to assess whether the absolute priority rule has been met. To provide protection for creditors, at least one impaired creditor class must approve the plan. The proposals don't extend as far as allowing for super priority rescue financing as under chapter 11. Additionally, ipso facto clauses or contractual termination rights which can be triggered when a company enters into insolvency proceedings will now be unenforceable. Parties will have to apply to court to request termination on the basis of undue financial hardship. So suppliers will have to continue to fulfil their commitments under the contracts with the debtor company.
0: So, thanks for explaining us the the key points of the restructuring plan. Shan, can you talk us through some of the highlights of the new moratorium procedure?
4: Thanks, Luca. Under the new moratorium procedure. Companies will have the ability to file certain documents with the English court, which will create a moratorium on enforcement actions by creditors. The process will resemble the current procedure for an out-of-court administrator appointment. This will give them time to consider their options for addressing their their financial and economic problems. The process is expected to resemble the same parameters as the administration moratorium the company will have to meet the following conditions in order to benefit from the moratorium. The company must have a real prospect of rescue. It must be financially distressed, but not yet have reached a state of insolvency. The company must not have entered into a moratorium, administration or CVA in the previous 12 months. And the company must have sufficient funds in order to carry on trading during the imposed moratorium to meet its current and new obligations, as each falls due. A moratorium supervisor, called the Monitor, who will be a licensed insolvency practitioner, will make the assessment as to whether or not the company meets the qualifying conditions for the moratorium. This will will provide objectivity and impartiality to better protect creditors. The Monitor will be required to notify all known creditors and register the company's entry into the moratorium at company's house. The test on the company is its financial state will be one of the prospective insolvency, that is based upon it becoming insolvent if action is not taken.
0: Chetna, now we have uh, set out the highlights of the proposals, I wanted to ask you, what are the immediate hurdles that are likely to face the proposed legislation?
3: That's a good question, Luca. Um, Well, given the new tools are expected to rely on the same jurisprudence as for English schemes of, of arrangement, they're likely to face some of the same jurisdiction issues when it comes to cross border enforcement and recognition. Typically, English schemes rely on the judgments regulation to find jurisdiction, given that they're not listed in annex A of the insolvency regulation. The restructuring plan is unlikely to be listed in Annex A, given the impending nature of Brexit, and consequently won't benefit from automatic recognition across the EU. Instead, we'll have to place reliance on the judgments regulation. Given that the UK will no longer be a member state for the purposes of the two regulation definitions, European recognition of the plan could prove challenging.
0: So in terms of uh, challenges, uh, uh, I understand there is also a challenge of competition from foreign jurisdictions such as the new restructuring tools in the Netherlands. Shannon, do you want to talk a bit more about these Dutch proposals which are currently being implemented?
4: Yes, Luca, that's a good point. Both the existing English scheme of arrangement and the new proposed restructuring plan are likely to face international competition from the new Dutch restructuring scheme, which is scheduled to be introduced next year. The Dutch scheme will feature a dual-track option for recognition and the company or its creditors will be able to elect whether they want the proceeding to fall under the insolvency regulation or remain domestic in nature. Under the first option, there will be automatic recognition across all EU member states provided that debtors have their comi in the Netherlands. Under the second option, the proceedings will progress in private, relying on domestic law principles of comity with no automatic recognition under the insolvency regulation. The Dutch scheme has cherry-picked the best features of the English law scheme of arrangement and the best features of the US Chapter 11 process. It includes a cross-class cramdown, the option to implement a temporary moratorium, and the ability to release third-party guarantees.
0: Well, so as far as I understand, uh, these new restructuring proposals may offer practitioners a new powerful set of restructuring tools for the UK. However, it is important to be conscious of the possible cross-borders recognition issues that we have discussed. So this is the end of the Reorg Europe podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will be back again in two weeks. Ciao.